0: From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Emily Arnson, This is your news for Wednesday, August 30th. On Monday morning, a tanker carrying road chip oil rolled over on State Road 128, locally known as River Road. 3,800 gallons of chip oil spilled onto the road at Big Bend Campground near a parking lot on the side of the road furthest from the river. Chip oil is a tar-like substance that's used to repair cracked roads. The spill was contained by the Moab Valley Fire Department's HAZMAT crew on Monday. This is Fire Chief TJ Brewer.
1: So when we got there, we dammed and diked and to make sure that it didn't go into any of the spillways, into the drainages or anything like that. Same, It's the road tar stuff, so... It wasn't like a liquid that just ran real quick, so it was fairly easy to contain, and it solidified fairly quickly after we got there.
0: Brewer says none of the chip oil reached the river.
1: We had one of our guys get there within minutes of, and he was able to build a dam to prevent it from getting any further in there. The
0: tanker was hired by Grand County to do road repairs on the Loop Road in the La Salles. The accident happened on the way to the construction site.
1: The truck company had hired a cleanup crew to come in and clean it up. So we don't do the cleanup portion of it. We just do the mitigation and make sure it doesn't get into the river, drainages and stuff like that, make sure it doesn't spread any worse.
0: River Road is open, and the truck company has hired a private company to finish the cleanup process. The BLM will oversee the cleanup efforts. If you have questions or concerns about the spill, you can contact the BLM at the phone number in today's show notes. Court proceedings for a mass shooting that happened at a Boulder King Supers over two years ago are moving forward very slowly. The request for a second psychiatric evaluation of the accused shooter was denied recently to prevent further delays. KGNU's Shannon Young has more.
2: Defense and prosecution attorneys were in court yesterday after a psychiatric evaluation found the defendant accused of murdering 10 people at a Boulder King Supers competent to stand trial. The mass shooting took place on March 22 of 2021, and the defendant is the only suspect in the case. Boulder District Attorney Michael Doherty urged the presiding judge to deny a request for a second evaluation, citing already long delays in the case and the emotional toll it takes on victims' families. Public defender Catherine Harold described her client as profoundly mentally ill and argued that putting him on trial would violate his due process rights. The judge denied the request for a second evaluation and set a restoration hearing for October 3rd and a preliminary hearing for the morning of November 14th. In the meantime, the defendant will remain at a state psychiatric facility in Pueblo where, unlike in a county jail, he may receive what was referred to as involuntary medication. I'm Shannon Young.
0: As the days get slightly cooler, residents in bear habitats are brainstorming ways to discourage interactions with their hungry neighbors. Bears will usually enter a yard following the smell of rotting garbage or ripe fruit. As KDNK's Hedison Rensbury reports, Colorado is helping some communities to bear-proof their towns.
3: Thanks to a grant from Colorado's Human Bear Conflict Reduction Program, towns like Snowmass Village can now afford to make all residential curbside trash cans bear-safe containers. Thirteen other projects throughout the state also received funds for similar initiatives. The harvest season also brings a unique challenge to living in the wildland urban interface as there is no shortage of backyard fruit trees. These trees can beautify a property or provide a little extra food for tables, but their inclusion can also entice bears. One way to prevent conflicts with bears over fruit trees is simply to use the fruit. By doing so, property owners can remove a bear's reason for visiting the property in the first place. There are even companies and nonprofits who will do the picking instead. Carbondale based Uproot Colorado offers a gleaning service where they put the fruit they pick towards community members dealing with food insecurity. I'm Haddison Rensberry.
0: In an effort to get more people out of their cars, the state of Colorado is offering financial incentives for people to purchase electric bikes. While pedal-assisted electric bikes are more environmentally conscious than gas-powered cars in the short term, their batteries do leave a footprint. KGNU's Report for America Corps member Jackie Sedley reports.
1: E-bike batteries can be finicky. They're often made of lithium and can overheat if left charging unattended for extended periods of time. Not only this, but they're incredibly difficult to recycle. With state and local incentives to get more Colorado residents onto e-bikes, what to do about the batteries is a looming dilemma. Local bike shops are already finding themselves in the middle of this complicated recycling stream. Mae Blue Otter is the general manager of Small Planet e-bikes in Longmont. She says they rely on outsourcing when customers come in constantly asking for help with recycling or refurbishing their lithium-ion batteries.
3: We kind of fall on high C or call to recycle or batteries plus to do our recycling for us because we have no avenue at this moment that doesn't cost us a large amount of money. Because usually we cover the costs of that pickup and drop off, which means we have to pay for not only the gas of the vehicle that we're driving, but for the time that that employee is taking. And that's taking people away from our shop.
1: Blue Otter does what she can to help folks with battery-related questions. Blue Otter is a trained geologist and, as a result, understands the chemistry and other scientific components behind lithium-ion batteries.
3: With overcharging lithium, if your battery management system is not working correctly, your battery will get super excited. Keeping it plugged in, it's just going to take on that energy, take on that energy, and eventually it's going to expand and your battery will basically burp, and it will be unusable.
1: She says that, as with cell phones, four to six hours is plenty, and that charging for more than eight hours at a time can reduce overall battery life. Exposure to extreme temperatures can also wear batteries out faster. Back over in Boulder, the e-bike fleet at the Boulder B-Cycle bike sharing program deals with heavy use in Colorado weather. Boulder B-Cycle General Manager Kevin Krauss says that high-quality batteries cost more upfront, but it was a conscientious investment made when transitioning the fleet to all-electric in 2021. Boulder B-Cycle sticks to one battery brand that they feel is reliable and high-quality, Bosch batteries. They have Underwriter Laboratory certification, which means that they have been tested to meet nationally recognized safety standards. They certainly can be more expensive to have third-party testing and verification, but what we gain out of it is a much greater sense of security, both that the battery is going to operate as it should without error, but also that's going to have a long lifespan. All bikes in the B-Cycle fleet have batteries mounted externally on a rear rack, as opposed to being installed internally. Some of the more affordable e-bike models on the market have batteries embedded in the frames, meaning when the battery dies, the entire bike no longer functions as intended. Kraus says due to their novelty, many people now looking to purchase an e-bike may not have these details in mind. Despite these complications, B-Cycle's Kraus sees a hopeful future for e-bikes, even though they have a larger environmental footprint than a conventional pedal-powered bike. E-bikes have been shown to basically get more people out on a bike more often for farther trips. And as long as some of those trips are helping to displace gas-powered trips, then it should be a large environmental win. During both conversations, Blue Otter and Kraus brought up Call to Recycle. The nonprofit is well known in the e-bike distributor community. It has thousands of battery drop-off locations across the United States and kickstarted a "Hungry for Batteries" campaign that focuses specifically on e-bike battery disposal. Eric Fredrickson is the vice president of operations at Call to Recycle. The recycling process is multifaceted, but Fredrickson breaks it down into a handful of steps.
3: So you ship the batteries, you then sort them and check them in. They are then sent to the nearest recycler. Typically shredding is the first step. After you shred the batteries, you start to separate out the plastic, you separate out the metals of value. So those refined metals are now a product that can be sent directly back into manufacturing systems
1: e-bikes have taken center stage as Colorado continues to appear forward-thinking toward greener and more sustainable transportation options. Ultimately, the journey toward integrating e-bikes into our daily lives involves more than simply adopting a new mode of transport, and business owners and battery collection organizations agree it will take a collective effort to provide safer and more accessible methods of lithium-ion battery recycling. I'm Jackie Sedley.
0: And that's the KZMU News for Wednesday, August 30th. Get your community-powered journalism weekdays on the airwaves at noon and 6 p.m. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at
2: kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.